It's Thursday, April 8th, 2021. I'm Cameron Weir and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online, since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. This morning, President Joe Biden announced new executive orders intended to curb gun violence in the U.S. As expected, within minutes, Republicans did everything they could to try and shoot them down. Because wordplay... Georgia Governor Brian Kemp says that while voters waiting in line cannot be given free food and drink under the state's new voter restrictions, they can order food and beverages from Uber Eats. Well, we must have all missed that Uber Eats exemption in the law. Our bad! JetBlue became the first corporation to lift its ban on political contributions to Republicans who refused to certify the 2020 presidential election. The airline did so with a $1,000 contribution to New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis. Now, with regular flights to Reagan National Airport from convenient locations around the country, JetBlue is positioning itself to be the official airline of the next insurrection. Former Vice President Mike Pence has signed a seven-figure two-book deal with Simon & Schuster. According to the publisher, unlike Pence, the books will have a spine. An expert from the Los Angeles Police Department testified that former officer Derek Chauvin had used deadly force on George Floyd when none was warranted. It was still an argument for the prosecution, even though the LAPD typically means that as a compliment. Annapurna Pictures founder Megan Ellison took to Twitter on Wednesday to boost the claims made against producer Scott Rudin by former staffers, accusing him of abusive, sexist, and racist behavior. This will all be part of the upcoming Annapurna film, the producer who shockingly did exactly what you expect producers to do. Elon Musk's company Neuralink claimed that they have the technology to create a real-life Jurassic Park with lab-created novel species of dinosaurs. Sadly, the raptors will still be a lot easier to deal with than any of these jack-offs driving a Tesla. Nick Cannon will return to hosting The Masked Singer next week after missing the first part of Season 5 while recuperating from COVID-19. Contestants will not have to worry about contracting the disease from Nick as they're already masked. Prince's Estate announced today that they will be releasing a lost 2010 album by him called Welcome to America. The existence of this lost album comes as a shock to most casual Prince fans who haven't been looking for anything new from him since the 90s. CBS will end the reboot of MacGyver this month after a five-season run. Guess they couldn't MacGyver a deal for a sixth season with duct tape, a paperclip, and half-chewed piece of gum. Now let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily Cast and Crew Roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Aiello, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Daily crew. Let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to our TMI Daily podcast. Let's start with you, Pete. I, I just, I personally want to uh, thank Khloe Kardashian for um, for taking to Instagram to explain about her um, her issues with body, uh, body image, uh, you know, especially after our show yesterday, and then Show, taking off most of her clothes just so she could prove that she's not the girl in the picture that she had removed from the internet. Oh, that's one. Didn't somebody else do that too after our show? Something else happened a couple weeks ago. I, uh, you know, we, we yeah. just, we're, we're, we're right on the front line. Our viewers, yeah, we're, we're oh, wait, wait, Veronica, can you you want to give the big news about our about about uh, one of our other big fan groups now? Yes, yes. So we're not only big in Pakistan, but we're also big in South Korea. <laughs> so <laughs> South Korea, I'm gonna learn how to, I learned how to say thank you, but I forgot. So thank you, South Korea, for listening. We're, we're, we're huge in comedy, apparently, in South Korea. All Come those K-pop K-Pop conversations. Yeah, we did, the, we did the BTS episode. Yeah, yeah off, so. I love Ganan. Bimbap. I believe it's Koma Sumida. Oh, there you go. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> so BTS, thank you for that as well, because I feel like BTS kind of, you know, helped get us there. BTS, okay. TMI Hollywood. <laughs> Three-letter acronym. You just something. put the B T T and M I S. We nice it up here. like that. E T M I S. Peter, is that what you wanted to say? I can't think that well. Sorry. That's okay. That's why I keep score. Hi Elizabeth, how you doing? 
I'm good. Uh, we're just two days away from my next show at Flappers uh, via Zoom, 6 p.m. Pacific in the Zeppo Room. Go to flapperscomedy.com for tickets. So that would be 9 p.m. on the East Coast, right? It would. It's actually earlier earlier than I've been having shows on the East Coast. So that's convenient now, isn't and then, it? And 3 p.m. in Hawaii, right? Yes. So wow. you could enjoy uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. You watch your show. You can lounge on the beach uh, and enjoy some comedy. Any chance you know what time it is in South Korea? I'm afraid I don't. I think it's tomorrow. I think it's yeah, Sunday. It's Sunday. Can you yeah. do a stand-up show at an Italian restaurant in the Zeppeli room? Because I would really like that. Probably <laughs> if they gave you Zeppelis, though. Yeah, they gave mm-hmm. me Zeppelis. Mm-hmm. A no, room I- made of Zeppeli. Yes. Hi, everyone. This is Google Podcast. And a very happy National Empanada Day. I do love me some empanadas. And if you guys know any really good empanada places here in Los Angeles for me to try out, hit me up on Twitter. It's Bento Box with two X's. Please tell them, give me some suggestions of great places to get empanadas here in L.A. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, Joe, you know, Porto's does the Porto delivers at home and you can bake it at home. Yeah. And empanadas are phenomenal. I know they have really good ones, too. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I kind of I'm looking for. I'm looking for a place that's kind of like a hole in the wall and you go in and it's somebody's grandma's in the back and she's yelling, but she's the one making it. That's kind of what I'm looking for. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> you know, it just, it just dawned on me that back in, back when we first started the show, Joe and other people would say their, their uh, either email or their handle so they could beg for money. Now they're, now he's begging for empanadas. I really, still have, listen, really, my, my, my memo is still right here. So. No, it's called evolution. We've evolved. <laughs> Danny, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Hello, everybody. And to all our South Korean uh, fans, like you, we light it up like dynamite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. And and that's Joe, like. there, there is a place on 3rd Street across the street from Cedars. It's called Nona's Empanadas. Their dulce de leche empanada is delicious. Ooh, I need to try that. Check that out. Also, notice how Danny's been really, really quiet about Dodger baseball since opening day. I just like to point that out too. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it, but you know, because you, you mentioned on opening day how the Dodgers lost. It did, and you've been quiet since then. Because hmm. I really don't care. <laughs> no offense, I really don't care. <laughs> I follow the Yankees. Where's Emma at? <laughs> They're three and three right now. And three and three in the middle of the pack. How's it going, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> Give it to him, still. Hey, hey, Brevity's the soul of wit, baby. He Look, knows. Yeah. <laughs> I just can I just tell you guys that um, the new show on ABC just started last night, Home Economics with Topher Grace. It's so wonderful. It's a really great show, and our good friend Lydia Porto is in it. So if you want to check out a new series on network television, uh, check out Home Economics on ABC. And also later on today, we're going to be joined by Peter Quinn Jacobs from the podcast Let's Break History. So he will be joining us shortly. Okay, so let's get started with tonight's show. There are very few people in the history of entertainment as successful as producer Scott Rudin. In his 40-year career, he has won 17 Tony Awards, an Academy Award, an Emmy, a Grammy, four Golden Globes, and 16 Drama Desk Awards. He is only one of 16 people in entertainment to have become an EGOT winner. Yesterday, in an explosive holiday, Hollywood, excuse me, not holiday, <laughs> Hollywood Reporter cover article, he was accused of some fairly damaging things. So can anyone tell us what the article claimed about Rudin? Pete, let's start with you. Well, I mean, it, th- there's a lot of things that they had in the article, but basically they, they, you know, a bunch of ex-employees claimed that he was abusive, that he was, that he was racist, um, like these things that were claimed in there, um, he got angry at at one former assistant because they hadn't booked him on a sold out flight. 
uh, to Paris. So he picked up an Apple computer screen and and broke it over the guy's hand. Um, and the, he and he had to go to the hospital because of it. But to be fair, uh, Scott Rudin gave him um, three associate producer credits for it. Um, another another time, he got mad at an assistant um, who hadn't sent. I think they hadn't sent the proper information uh, for where stores were in Paris, like a lot, like weird stuff. And so he threw a um, he threw a glass punch bowl at them, and it hit a wall, smashed. And apparently there was somebody from the HR in the room when it happened, and she freaked out so badly that she had a panic attack that they weren't sure what it was, and they had to rush her to the hospital mm-hmm. in an ambulance. I believe she um, did not return to the job. Yeah, she, yeah. she never returned. That he, I mean, that he, you know, that he goes through that he, uh, one employee had diabetes um, and was told by a doctor that she had to exercise uh, for a certain portion of the day. So he allowed her to exercise between 5.30 and 6, 6 a.m. every morning. And then after she did it for a couple of days, he told her to either quit or do it faster mm-hmm. or do her job faster. I'm sorry. Um you know, it's like there's a lot of these stories, but again, a lot of these stories have been going around like, you know, it's funny because. He's been he's been called like in 1996, which I found out today. Spy magazine, because that's how old the story the story is. Spy magazine had a, an article about him called "The Biggest Asshole in Hollywood." So it's not like this is new stuff. It's just new because now we're in this new era of um, of things. I mean, 2015, the Washington, um, the um, Wall Street Journal had a, a, a oh, 2010 they had an article about him saying all this stuff. 2015 there was there was another article. I mean, like it's been around forever this stuff, but now it's just coming out more because of all the you know all the stuff mm-hmm. we're you know we're dealing with. Elizabeth, you want to add anything? Uh, I don't have much to add because he hit some of the. Uh, I think the one of the wilder ones is he threw a fucking potato at somebody, um, uh, because somebody was in the lobby and he didn't know why they weren't on his calendar and he had a baked potato for some reason. So he fucking chucked it at the person and was like, "Fucking figure it out and get me another potato. Yeah, give me a new potato. Right? Give me a new potato." Uh, and like he he would boast of churning through assistance, like I think like a hundred or something crazy like in, that. In, in 2010, he said he boasted that in over a five-year period, he had 160 over a fi- okay, that makes more actual sense. assistance for, mm-hmm. um, that lasted for a period of time. Yeah. Uh, but that number was more like 260 when you consider that, like, I think like another 140 of them only lasted less than a mm-hmm. two-week period. And, and surviving him and moving on to other positions was like this badge of honor that you had survived uh, this essentially fucking lunatic. And so you must be the toughest person in Hollywood because you can survive him. You can survive anything. So, yeah. But Pete covered most of it. So Scott Rudin is not the first Hollywood executive to be accused of bad behavior. In fact, there's a long history of this. Let's talk about some of the other entertainment executives who have been accused of abusing their power. Who can name a few? Outside of Weinstein? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, again, going through the history of all this stuff today, and I always like to preface this so it doesn't sound like I think I know more than I do. It's just I, I happen to read all this stuff earlier. You know, Hollywood producers, like, and, and, and this is funny because this conversation, when the whole thing with Harvey Weinstein happened a few years back, um, I remember we were in a bar after one of our shows, and I got into an argument with somebody because I said that why you know why would anybody be anybody be surprised that Harvey Weinstein was doing this why would anybody want to be a head of a studio if they couldn't do the kind of things that he did you know and and the reality of it is like the oh i think it was you and me oh you might have been you and i yeah it probably <laughs> was um but the reality of it is this the history of this kind of behavior goes back to the beginnings of film i, I mean mm-hmm. the the three three of the biggest film you know film producers who also became studio heads Louis B. Mayer, Daryl Zanuck, and Harry Cohn were all were all notorious womanizers. Um, Daryl Zanuck and, and and Harry Cohn is Daryl Zanuck ran 20th Century Fox. Harry Cohn um, ran uh, Columbia, um, and they are the ones who coined the phrase "the casting couch." Um, like it actually came from the two of them. Um, Harry Cohn used to have. Um, a shelf in his office that he'd keep stockings and perfume from women that he'd slept with. Daryl Zanuck um, slept with Marilyn Monroe, Jane, uh, Jane Mansfield, Jean Tierney, um, and Sheridan, a lot of, a lot of the big stars from that time before they were stars. Um, 
Harry Cohn was was so he was the he was the um, he was the uh, the inspiration for the the character of Waltz, the producer in um, in in uh, The Godfather, um, because one time he he um, he he wanted to try and sleep with Kim Novak, who who was in the movie um, uh, Vertigo. Mm-hmm. And he actually um, and, and he got rebuffed by her, and then he found out that she'd been dating Sammy Davis Jr. So he hired a mob guy to go to Sammy Davis Jr. and tell him that he was going to break his legs and make him blind. If he didn't date, a, if he didn't marry a black woman, and Sammy Davis Jr. married a black woman two weeks later to avoid this happening, um, Louis B. Mayer caused caused um, Judy Garland to, to 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 take diet pills, which eventually mm-hmm. led her to all these other pills because he used to tell her she was fat, but she wasn't too fat because when she was sixteen, she used to have to sit on his lap while he while he fondled her breast and she sang. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like this. This stuff has been going on forever. You know, and it's and it's like and it's not new. I mean, even women, um, Jamie Tarsis, who used to run ABC, um, she, while she was there, uh, Ryan Reynolds was on the show um, to, to um, two guys, a girl in a pizza place. Yeah, and strangely enough, um, she, after he started dating her, he got um, he became the lead in the show. I mean, he was he was always one of the two main leads. But his character got most of the the main storylines after he started dating her, and then as soon as she left, he stopped dating her. Um, and then a couple of years ago, the uh, the the Sony hack we saw what Amy Pascal, uh, the who used to run Sony, uh, those emails back and forth, strange enough, between her and Scott Rudin uh, about um, about like like they they had a, a conversation about she was going to see Obama. Mm. Um, and he and she said she was wondering if maybe he might want to invest in films. And she said, "Do you think I should tell him? Uh, do you think I should ask him if he liked Django?" And then he wrote back, "No, 12, uh, 12 years a slave." And then she wrote back, um, "What about um, the Butler?" And then he wrote back, "No, he probably likes Ke- um, Kevin Hart." So ask him about Ride Along. So I mean, like this stuff has been going on forever and a day. So it's not like this is like anything new. I'm sorry, I just really just blurred all No, no, that's fine. Go ahead, Elizabeth, did you want to ask? Oh, I was going to say, it's not like it's anything new, um, but I am glad we're slowly trying to dismantle it, and maybe that's more of a question you have in a minute, because just because these people are successful and produce good things, it doesn't allow you to treat other people like garbage. We don't like when corporations treat their employees like garbage, like Amazon and things like that, Um, but... We, and I know people are still allowing it because it's sort of too big to crack, but you know, you don't get to treat people like shit just to create or succeed. I know it's happened. I know it's been happening, but you shouldn't be able to do that. Before I go to you, Joe, I want to just ask a follow-up question based on what you just said, Elizabeth. So because we do, you know, we know that there's been this long history mm-hmm. of entertainment industry executives, you know, behaving poorly. Do you think people are surprised then when they hear these stories, like the one that just came out, or do, are people just no longer surprised anymore? It's like, oh, another executive, you know, that, that's being. I think now no one's surprised anymore. Right. Joe? Go ahead, Joe. I think, Joe. And then I think one of the biggest problems, though, and, and why this take, has taken so long as it is, and it's still not going to go away, is because Hollywood is very much a if somebody says something, it's when they say you're never going to work in this town again. It's very, very true. Um, I was reading some of the other tweets and because I, I follow a lot of screenwriters. I'm sure Elizabeth does too. Mm-hmm. And one of the screenwriters had said like his, like his boss, a showrunner who had come from like the, the Scott Rudin, like came from that, that kind of stable. He had learned from him and he got mad at him one day for, for something in the writer's room, something like that. And the, the guy threw a pencil at him so hard that it stuck in his arm. And, you know, he had to pull it out, like, like literally was like, you know, speared with a pencil and stuff like that. And he's telling this whole story, but he won't say who the boss was that did it because he knows if he says something, he's not going to work in this town again, which is the sad, which is the sad reality of it is that there's still too many people that are doing this because they know that they're safe. Because if somebody tries to say something, they're going to get blacklisted. Blacklisted is a thing. It's not just something from the movies in the 1950s, y'all. It's a thing. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Stuart, and then I'll go to Danny. Go ahead, Stuart. Yeah, I mean, in terms of being surprised, uh, when I you know, heard about it, I was like, oh, 
only racism abuse, no like sexual assault. Like that was my first thought. I was like, wow, Scott Rudin didn't rape anybody. What a shocker. Like, honestly, like at, at this point, it's like the, the bar is so low for these big producers where it's just, yeah. I mean, it, I assume every one of them is a piece of shit, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Danny. Unfortunately, this happens across the board in so many other different fields as well. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that, worked at a school and was tormented on a daily basis by coworkers and particularly the principal. And it wasn't until, you know, through some coaxing by a lot of friends that he decided to go somewhere else. And it was a big sigh of relief. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that even up to this day, a lot of people have gone up to him and have said, you have no idea how much it pleases us that you finally had the courage to leave. But a lot of people don't because they don't think they can get a job elsewhere and they feel like they have to put up with that sort of behavior on a daily basis. And I was reading a little bit about the Scott Rudin situation and a lot of people said that, you know, they didn't want to leave like Joe said, for fear of being blacklisted or just, you know, just that fear that builds, you know, must be so great that it makes one not want to stay, take that extra step. And there are some jobs that don't have an HR and Mm -hmm. they're at, what's the term called at will employment, Mm -hmm. you know, so you either put up with it or they don't even have to give you a reason. They just let you go. And some people just cannot afford to be put in that position. You know, Danny, that's actually a very good point. And I agree with you because I also know people who have had terrible bosses and they've just kind of sucked it up. But is it any different because this man is worth $250 million that he's abused all these people and he's got this like massive fortune or does it not make a difference? I mean, or, 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 what, should, what I should, what I'm trying to say is should we be more outraged because this man has made all these millions of dollars with this kind of behavior versus for example, like a school principal that is just a shitty person, you know, to an employee. What do you uh, think about that? Um, me personally? Let me ask Danny first since he did bring it up. Sorry, sorry. I, I Honestly, I think everyone need, deserves to be treated with kindness. And, you know, I may be the most religious one on the panel, but I do believe in, you know, what you put out, you get back. You know, and the golden rule is treat others the way you want to be treated. So if you want to treat someone like a punk, expect that to be, you know, what's going to be given to you. Maybe not now, but later, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Elizabeth, and then I'll go back to you, Pete. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Um, no, I, I think you, you should have the same level. I mean, you should be more outraged because he's made so much money off of the backs of so many people. But I, uh, the first two jobs I had as like an assistant receptionist, um, I was treated horribly. And it was sort of like, I'm too scared to leave. I'm not sure if I'll find another job and I can't say anything bad about this situation, I don't know if they'll recommend me, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I had the guy, um, I did all this extra labor. I was not paid regularly or on time, um, but I was kind of so sucked in to this idea because he'd had some sex success producing things before. I thought I was learning and, and I did learn things to a certain degree, but not, never, not like that again. Uh, he threatened to sue me one time because we moved from his small company to a lar- a slightly larger company and the owner of that company handed information for me that he had been withholding. And I, that was the guy who was paying me. So I did tell him what he asked and I, and in theory turned around and stabbed that guy in the back by telling the original boss, Hey, I told this guy X, Y, and Z. The original boss screamed at me on the phone, told me he would sue me if anything went wrong and I was ruining everything. And then, frankly, he got a male assistant because I had moved into a slightly different position and he started ignoring me. And then they moved to another company. And that male assistant told me a year or so after that, that he up and left that company, asked the male assistant to come in on a weekend, to help him pack up. And the male assistant didn't know why. That company berated the male assistant saying, He's he's left. He's done X, Y, and Z, and you helped him do it. Tell us everything you know. So this guy treated us like fucking garbage left and right. But it's, it's especially when you're starting out, and if you work for a big name like a Scott Rudin, you think you're in this great position, and and you're and all the job listings say, you know, tough work environment. You need to have a thick skin, and that's just the price you pay. And that shouldn't be. I shouldn't have been screamed 
and on the phone that I was going to be sued, I was 20, like 24, 25 and thinking, oh my God, I have no money. I'll be in, you know, ruined. What do I do? That's a terrible way to treat people. And, um, and that's, that's a small level thing. Yeah. Imagine what, you know, extrapolated to the Scott Rudin level. If there's one or two, there's two, let's say me and the other guy, you multiply that by however many years and however much money, that's a lot of people that have been treated miserably. I would, I actually, I lost weight woo-hoo, during that time period. Cause I was so fucking stressed out. I didn't eat. Yeah. Pete. And then I'll go back to go to Joe. I'm going to kind of go in a little different path on this. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I think that, you know what, that this is, is, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to use the term uh, victim blaming, but you're talking about people that knew that this was happening. I mean, I mean, and, and, and maybe I've had the benefit because I spent a lot of the day looking at this. The 2010 article that the Wall Street Journal wrote about Scott Rudin was almost identical to the 2021 article written by The Hollywood Reporter. Some of the stories are actually from the one that was in, in, in 2010. So you're talking about 11 year time difference. And, and people went to work for this man fully aware of what was going to go on. I mean, there was actually there's a there's a, an interesting story that he puts he puts ads constantly on Indeed.com uh, mm-hmm. to to find new assistants and that his his old assistants have figured out how he words them now. So they know it's him and they'll write things like run away as fast as you can. But the problem is. As soon as you know that you, this is who you, who you might be working for, you know what you're getting. Now, Stewart hit the nail on the head in one sense, because since there's no allegations of sexual harassment or sexual assault, he's going to get away with it. He's definitely going to get away with it because the man has won 17 Tony Awards. He's won an Oscar. He's won Emmys. He's won, he's won all these awards. And, he made, and he's made, I think it's like 6 or $7 billion dollars. Um, mm-hmm. Just at the box office, not including the not, uh, film box office. I'm not including theater. So he's going to get away with it because shitty attitudes and 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 hard work environments are exactly what they expect in these businesses. Look, everybody on here knows me pretty well, and I, and I'm fairly outspoken. And most of you who know me long enough know that I worked for somebody who who wasn't anywhere near the level of, of Scott Rudin, who used to do the exact same shit that Scott Rudin did. I mean, he would throw shit. He would scream and he I mean he fired me multiple times I quit multiple times and kept going back and the only reason why I did was because I didn't want him to break me I, didn't, I wasn't going to allow him to break me but you deal with these things because my thought was well he's going to introduce me to people in, in entertainment and he did exactly. a few people, but but that's just how it works and you know what and and as long as you don't cross that other line the sexual line he's going to get away with it and that's and, and it's just the way it is and anybody who thinks differently is naive but well, we're finally at final question is do you guys think he's going to get away with it? Because you were talking about um, the articles from 2010. There was also another article from the Hollywood reporter that was titled the most feared man in town also from 2010. So also, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the, maybe the, maybe the 2010 one was the Hollywood reporter. The other yeah, one that's what, yeah, I about, yeah, when I looked at the, the, the Hollywood Wall Street reporter. Was 2005. So it makes it even further back. He's so, got yeah, that was from the Hollywood Reporter, and in that article, they talked about how he would just plow through assistance, like left and right. He would just like discard yeah. them, and you know. But uh, we're treating people like cogs in a fucking machine, and that and back then, the way you were treated, the way I was treated, the way he's he's probably referred to, even in the article, it may not have been glowing, but it was still like, well, he's a, it's the terrible genius syndrome, where it's like, well, you just have to let that happen because he does such great things, and we're finally waking up to the fact that well, you don't fucking have to do that. People are people. People deserve to be treated with respect and dignity, and. Maybe it was naive at the time, even if you did hear, but you were also theoretically promised in that exchange to go work for him that you would move up a ladder. Maybe you thought you could tough it out. Fine, maybe you didn't, but you didn't deserve to be treated that way. I don't think anyone deserves just because they're trying to go into the industry. Nobody deserves it, Elizabeth, but it happens. And a lot of So fuck it, let it happen? No, fuck that. I'm not saying that they should let it happen, but a lot of people that work for Rudin actually did end up going to bigger jobs because of the fact that they worked for him. But they didn't need to go through the fucking mental anguish no one needs to go through that the problem is you and i are not good have not made any money for the film industry or for television or for theater he has and as long as he has as long as he hasn't done something that is that is in theory 
an abominational thing, like something that we could all go, oh my God, you cannot get like what Harvey Weinstein did. But he won't get canceled. I know breaking a monitor over someone's fucking hand is pretty pretty extreme. You're right, but it's just, but nobody nobody pressed charges. It doesn't exist in the real world. It's just- But let me just interject real quick. I think what what Peter's trying to say, Elizabeth, is that, and again, I could be wrong, and not saying that it's okay, but you know, some of these people that did work for him, yeah, they took it. They shouldn't have been, you know, exposed to all of that. But because of that, they did get, you know, positions in entertainment where they're, I'm sure now they're making lots of money in it. That doesn't make it okay, though. You know, and, but yeah, yeah, not, but, the, but they subjected themselves to that. They said, you know what? We'll suck it up because it's because they were all told and we were all told right. the same. No, that you, you have to be subjected to this. I agree. And we're finally in the year of our it's, Lord 2021 realizing you don't have to be subjected to this. People yeah. don't get to treat you that way. And it's it's still going to be slow going change. As Danny pointed out, it's not just entertainment. It's you know, across every industry, you know, but it's right. When people aren't fucking cogs. It's, it's fucking capitalist bullshit. <laughs> Joe. Uh, real quick, before I get to my point, what you guys are talking about. Yeah, so let's say you go through that whole thing and you go on, you get a bigger position, stuff like that. Are you going to do what you learned from there? Because mm-hmm. that's just going to make the problem bigger. You've got to be able to go beyond that. And, that, and that's when it becomes that's, a cycle. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. I mean, but I mean, like, to say that we know that's going on, Look at Tropic Thunder and Tom Cruise's character where they're actually making fun of that, mm-hmm. but that's what it goes on. Or yeah. the movie, if you've ever seen the movie The Assistant, which is an entire horror movie about uh, this exact no, situation. Joe, I'll take so, it one step further. The movie Swimming with, with Sharks from 1994, he's partly based, the, 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 the yeah. Kevin Spacey character is partly based on Scott Rudin. So, so my point is that this goes on, this has been going on for forever to the point where we're actually trying to say something, like even creatives are saying something about it, and no one cares. Yeah, so as long as he care. keeps producing winners, yeah. as long as he keeps producing money, uh, it's not going to make a difference. So the best thing I can say is if you go through, if you go work with him and move on to another thing, don't take, take what, take what you learn, but don't do, do it. Take what you learn to not do that. That's the only way that the system is going to break. Because if you go, go after that and you try and be a uh, Scott Rudin yourself, we're just going to have a hundred little clones of them, which won't work. And then mm-hmm. you get to that, that, that story, like I said, where the guy learned his boss learned from him. And then this, this guy ended up with a pencil in his arm. So um, so our guest is waiting to come on, but Stuart, real quick, I'll let you finish the segment and then I'm going to bring on our guest. Well, in terms of the cogs in the machine type of thing, the, the problem is he goes through 100 assistants and the machine makes billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. I mean, that, uh, ultimately, you know, people aren't cogs in machines, but when you treat them like cogs in machines and that machine makes a shit ton of money, they're staying cogs, they're not becoming people. Mm-hmm. I'm glad not, our, our, I'm glad our guest is here because we can ask him how many hit points it would take to take down Scott Rudin. Okay. <laughs> I think that that's, Joe, at least, that's at least 10 natural 20s. Joe, one good thing, though, um, <laughs> according to most people that dealt with Scott Rudin, he loves writers. So, and he's and, and nobody's ever accused him of being. Oh, well, in that case, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but I also think, too, you know, just to end this, is, you know, some people, like Danny was saying, you know, some people just need the money and they don't have any other. You know, yeah. or they feel like they can't go anywhere. That was the situation. No, nobody works. Yeah. Nobody goes into the, into into this business because because they they they're broke and they they have to get a job. They, they, I mean, people go into this business and they're broke and they're hoping one day to be not broke. But I'm talking about other professions like Danny. Oh, yeah, other professions, sure. That you just have to suck it up, you know. But okay, well, let's bring on our guest. There are very few people who could say that they haven't once dreamed about having a time machine so that they could go back to different points in time and change either their own personal history or their world history. Our guest tonight, Peter Quinn Jacobs, has taken the idea and turned it into a podcast called Let's Break History. Please welcome Peter to TMI Daily. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hi. Um, I'm doing well. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. (laughs) So I wanted to talk about your, well, we're going to talk about you and your podcast, but I want to start off by saying that I found your podcast to be extremely interesting and unique. Can you tell our audience about it? Yeah, sure. So Let's Break History is a podcast where we go through historical scenarios as role-playing games. So what I do is I create 
a thoroughly researched, historically accurate scenario that we ruin with a bunch of player interactions that are entirely ahistorical. And so the, the players take on roles of people from history, and they tend to be people whose names you don't know, but who had an important impact on the events that, that we have heard about in history. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I, I love that. So we did some digging into you, and you have an inter- interesting resume. As you're an Ivy League graduate, a lawyer, and you list Dungeon Master as one of your occupations. Yeah. Can you explain that to us? How did that all come about? Um, so uh, I, let's see. So I started playing role-playing games when I was very young, like le- under 10 years old. I, I started with my older brother who got me into it. And uh, we did rock, paper, scissors instead of dice rolling. We didn't have rule books. We just sort of went from the seat of our pants. And um, I eventually added more and more rules until I got to Dungeons and Dragons. And um, I played a few other different games. And uh, anyway, I, I became game obsessed. And eventually that led me to being obsessed with rules generally, which led me to law school at some point. Um, and so uh, now I'm a law graduate who um, is a professional dungeon master. I, you know, I applied to a bunch of jobs out of law school and the ones that stuck were the ones where I play games with kids and I get paid for it. So it's awesome. (laughs) That's wonderful. So is your panel made up of fellow role players, the people that you have on your podcast? Yeah. Um, So they're all people uh, that I've played with before in series one who I knew would be like good talent for, the first series, um, all of them had uh, played some Dungeons and Dragons or some other role-playing game. Series two is going to have a different mix of people. Some people from other podcasts are joining me. And then um, my my Aunt Peg is going to join me for this one. She's going to be one of our, our guests on, on the show. Uh, she hasn't played any games at all, but I think I think she'll do fine. <laughs> Sounds like fun. So can you give us examples of some of the stories from history that you have done episodes on and how you and your panel that history? Sure. So, um, the, so far we, uh, so the, the show has eight episodes that are out now and they're all from one period of history, which is the, the final days of Gregory Rasputin. So that scenario is based on the, um, the, days from December 1st through December 8th of 1916. And those, uh, and for those of you familiar with the history, uh, he died on December 16th, 1916. And so we go day by day and have the players, uh, they're playing his friends and they're attempting to investigate potential attacks against Rasputin and stop them before they happen uh, in order to break history and, and and then uh, hopefully save the day. Um, I won't. I won't spoil the ending for you, though. The the second series that we're going to do is uh, the Salem Witch Trials, and that one all the players are going to be accused witches. Oh, you can see my dog. Oh yeah, yeah, it's up up on your shoulder. So cute. <laughs> yeah, um, and he. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um yeah the second one's Salem Witch Trials the, some of the characters are going to be witches some of them are not and I'm not going to know going into it who is what I'm going to assign it sort of randomly at the beginning so we're going to it's going to be a combination of D&D plus um werewolf or mafia or one of those hidden identity games secret Hitler things like that oh very cool so I have uh, one final question before I open it up to the panel it's actually a personal question um, how would you explain Dungeons and Dragons to someone like myself who knows absolutely nothing about gaming? <laughs> well, um, I think Dungeons and Dragons at bottom is a collective storytelling game. So it's a game where one person inhabits the world and then everyone else inhabits characters within that world. And then from there, you can make it a whole bunch of things. Some people really get into the nitty gritty of the numbers game and trying to make characters who 
are extremely effective in combat and can, you know, kill orcs or whatever you're battling with high efficiency. Some people get much more into the character story aspect and they don't really care what their weapons are. They're more focused on, you know, what they're doing within the world and the effect that they have on other players and on the non-player characters as well. So I, I tend to run games that are more role-play heavy um, and less focused on the, the combat because that's what interests me. But I run a lot of games with kids who are between the ages of 8 and 18, and they tend to want to just run around killing things. So that, <laughs> that, that ends up being the game a lot of the time. Okay. Well, now I understand it a little bit better. Thank you for that. <laughs> so let me open it up to the panel now. Does anybody have any questions for Peter? Let's start with you, Elizabeth. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the upcoming Dungeons and Dragons movie adaptation? Because I don't know if you saw the old one. It's not oh, very yeah, good. Oh yeah, I saw the old one. <laughs> you know, I I okay. have a lot of respect for Jeremy Irons as an actor, but I do not have any respect for that particular movie. He <laughs> that chose... was somebody had to pay some bills with that one. <laughs> no, he, no, he literally had said he had a mortgage of a. He bought, oh, a, he castle. bought a castle in Ireland. He that's bought a right. Castle, he had to pay for the mortgage, and that's yeah. the only reason he took the movie. He had well, said that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. That's good. Yeah. Well, I you know he that's more respect for Jeremy Irons than yeah. he's got a castle. Um, oh go ahead sorry (laughs) but as for the new movie that's coming out i've got my fingers crossed i you know movies that are made after games or tv shows made after games tend to be terrible uh i can't think of i mean i guess i didn't watch any of the newer jumanji ones with dwayne the rock johnson i but they're all right they're good I, I thought they were good, yeah, but they good. went less for the game aspect and more for yeah. the funny. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the key to... I mean, the Dungeons & Dragons is a weird thing to make a movie about because each game is its own story. So it's yeah. like we're making a, a story about storytelling. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. If they, if they... What I would more prefer to see is movies made after popular Dungeons & Dragons podcasts like uh you probably heard of critical role if you're into this scene at all mm-hmm. or uh, dimension 20 and they have some really solid storytelling that's going on there and you could make a movie out of some of those though maybe you wouldn't need to because it's already sort of on online and recorded in that way but um i i i like chris pine i think he he's he's gonna do a good job i Remember that there's a character or actor from Bridgerton who's going to be in the Yeah, game? the hot Duke. <laughs> I, I haven't watched any Bridgerton yet, so I don't, I don't know about him. But Get a role play of the hot Duke to, oh no, fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, did you have a question? Yeah, do you have a favorite, um, I guess, era in history that maybe you haven't touched on yet? Well, I definitely got into history um, for the sort of on the legal side when I was in law school. So there's a, um, a period of uh, like the evolution, the early evolution of the common law in England that really interests me. Doesn't make a riveting topic for a, a game or a, a podcast about <laughs> where people gamify it. But um, the, the signing of the Magna Carta and things like that, um, really interesting to me. I'll probably get to that eventually. What sort of um, historical era do you see maybe this group in? Um, what, the, this group of people in front of me yeah. now? Yeah. Where would you put us in? That's interesting. Um, we've, we've got a pretty diverse group here of people. Um, I'm excited by the Salem Witch Trial season for what it's worth. I don't know if that yeah. helps you at all. Let's see. So... One thing that I've been considering doing in a future series is the Titanic. That would bring a lot of different types of people together, and it would be a survival game. Mm-hmm. So, um, my favorite movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, um, I bet you could all be on the Titanic. Who would be the ship's captain? Uh, oh. Probably Pete. Peter. Yeah. 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 He'd be the, he'd be the dumbest. He'd be the dumbest. Definitely the crash into something. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> what did we just hit? <laughs> Pete, did you have a question? Yeah. Um, first, Peter, great name. Um, <laughs> I thought I'd mention that. Thank you for, for joining us. 
when I was kind of like looking into stuff to talk about today uh, with you, I, I read a study about the kind of people that, you know, when they're young, get into like the role playing games, like the Dungeons and Dragons style games. And demographically, they're typically male, typically have higher IQs and have some kind of social awkwardness. Do you see that as being true? And if so, why do you think that is? I think that's becoming less true uh, over time because the the game is expanding to different groups at the moment. And that's good, in my opinion. Uh, though I will say everyone who plays D&D is really smart. Mm-hmm. So that's not changed. Um, but uh, no, I... I mean, growing up when I played D and D, it was you know me and my friends in a pretty you know um, a, a white group within a white town in a white state, <laughs> um, and none of the none of the girls when I was a kid were into playing the game, and so uh, I mean, there's definitely truth to that stereotype. Mm. Um, Stuart, so how did you choose um, the time periods you you chose? Uh, I chose them just sort of based on the stuff that I wanted to know more about. Uh, the Salem witch trials in particular was one that I was interested in because of the legal aspect, because they had actual trials. And one great thing about that particular period is that we have court documents from all of those. So when I'm crafting the game and actually we're recording, we're doing our recording session next week for it. Um, I've been going through those court records and reading them and just taking verbatim things that people said at the time, building them into the story. Um, and that, uh, so where, wherever I can find like really good documentation stuff that I can bring in from what actually happened, the, the more that that's available, the better. Um, but then that plus things that I think are cool, like Rasputin as a character I knew died in a really cool way. And that's where I started. And it turns out, I totally reimagined initially I was going to have the players try to kill Rasputin, be the assassins. And yes. then I read the history, realized that the history was written by the people who killed him. And maybe we shouldn't be perpetuating that. And then flipped the script, made them, uh, made them his friends instead of his enemies. Uh, Joe. Uh, uh, hi, Peter. I'm glad you're here. First off, I'd like to say I'd be one of the band members on the Titanic because I'm. Uh, if you've known the sports teams that I follow, I'm really, really good at going down with the ship. <laughs> I would also be yelling over the side going, there's room on that door for two. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the, the, what Peter was saying, I, 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 I hate that. Like, I, I'm, I'm a big nerd, and I hate when he says, oh, yeah, you know, it's always guys and, yeah, and, and, little, and stuff like that. Vin Diesel's a huge D&D player, and he does not fit into that category. And one of our former cast members, uh, uh, Jessica Lynn Parsons, uh, she's on Dungeon Run and all that. She's huge into it. And I'd like to actually get her on the show because she's been doing really good over there, there on Twitch with that. Um, but um, as far as the history thing, I think I find this really fascinating. Um, are you? Could you think about actually turning that into like an actual like gaming scenario? Like I know it's a podcast now, but like to say, let's make an actual game about this. You know that that people will be able to play. I, yeah. So there's a couple considerations. So when I'm making it for the podcast, I don't need to make it replayable, uh, which gives me a lot of freedom on a storytelling level. Uh, it means that I can do some dramatic reveals that aren't going to be possible if you want to play the game over and over um, or to have different groups play the game. Um, but it is something I've been thinking about, particularly for the Salem Witch Trials uh, one. I think once I'm done with that and if there's enough interest, I would look into adapting it from the form that it's in to something that's more um, repeatable and like something that other people could run at home. Elizabeth. Uh, I've actually, like, my older brother is into it. Oh, and also, speaking of famous people you wouldn't expect to be into Dungeons & Dragons, Joe Manganiello. Huge Dungeons huge, & Dragons. Huge, oh, yes. I've heard that like, he's got, like, a full-on, like, gaming cavern in his house. It looks really cool. Yeah. Um, but, like, my older brother was into it, speaking of white guys in white towns. <laughs> those who was. Um, and so I've always kind of been loosely interested, but I never played, and actually, I think he and his wife play off and on. And it's, it does 
the more I've come to understand it, the more I'm like, I'd like to try it. Is there like a good entry point into playing if you've never played? Like, I know there's bards and and mages. Like, I know like little, little bits, but like the overall, like, it seems daunting. That's what I'm trying to say to get Mm -hmm. into. Yeah, it can be. Um, What I recommend is... um listen to podcasts actually there's uh, i mentioned a couple um critical role dimension mm-hmm. 20 and then just find a podcast that where you listen to it and you you think you know what i want to do that at home mm-hmm. and then you can probably find people who also want to hit that vibe the one issue about the game makes it really tough to do is that you have to schedule something like once a week with a group of friends and People aren't going to prioritize it super high to begin with because it's not, it's a, it is ultimately a, just a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that, that's the daunting part in terms of like actually getting to know the rules and stuff. It's actually, it can be, it can be pretty easy, but if you're, if you're looking for like what sort of character you want to play at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, I'd recommend barbarians. They are fun because they um, you can just run them into a bunch of trouble and get out of it It because um, they're tough. And they're not super complicated either. You don't have a whole lot of things to keep track of. You can just you know inhabit that character and have a good time with it without thinking too hard about, about what you're doing. <laughs> and then the other players have to get you out of it sometimes. Okay. Um, any final questions for Peter? No? So, Peter, since we have you on the show, we wanted to know if you wanted to stick around for our final segment. We had an idea that we wanted to try with you, if that's okay. Sure. <laughs> okay, great. I guess maybe so, I should hear what the segment is. <laughs> so this will just, just like be- a lawyer, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so this is just for fun, just a demo for a few minutes. But since we have you on, we thought that we might have some fun with the concept of your podcast. Um, which is, uh, we're, we're a lot better with film history than we are with history history. So I wanted to throw out four movies to everyone and decide which one of them we want to choose and take some of the characters from the film and change the history. So are you down for that? Sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So these are the four. Oh, that was, that was very enthusiastic. <laughs> if, if you choose The Crucible, I just watched that. Oh, yeah, the Crucible's actually not on the list. <laughs> I, I watched it for, for research purposes for uh, for the Salem Witch Trials. Turns out that's not actually a very historically accurate thing. John hmm. Proctor was not hot. <laughs> I was going to say, you mean <laughs> Winona Ryder wasn't a part of history? <laughs> Is one of the movies Tokyo Drift? Um, Speaking of of actors who own castles in Ireland, though, I believe Daniel Day-Lewis does as well. Oh, man. (laughs) Maybe not. That's some life goals, I guess. Anya has a castle. She's a singer, but she has a castle. castle She lives in in it with her cats. Okay, so the four films that we're going to choose from are Jaws, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, Grease, or titanic because it is the most historically correct film of all time so let's pick which of these film movies we want to change the history of oh and we were going to put justice league on the list but Zack snyder already changed that film's history okay so which movie do we want to choose what what do we vote uh okay let me go through who votes for what were the movies again i just said them jaws star wars stop a nature baby no, Greece. Greece. <laughs> well, well, that was easy. That sounds, okay. that sounds like fun. And just so we know, we picked Greece because a lot of people find objection to the way the movie ends. So we thought, yeah, maybe- uh, yeah. Uh, uh, okay. yeah. Are we gonna have to sing? Are we gonna have to sing? Well, <laughs> because I wrote, I rewrote the history of one of these songs. I did that musical in high school. Ooh, who are you? <laughs> so I'm going to give you the characters, and then um, I'm going to mm. hand it over to you, Peter, and you're going to help us. No, um, Peter, not me. No, yeah, Peter, <laughs> our guest. Yes. Um, how you would set up the role playing of this movie if this was part of your podcast? So mm, okay. these are the characters: we have Danny Zuko, Sandy Olson, we have R- Betty Rizzo, Kaniki, Frenchie. Leo, Craterface, Balmudo, and Principal McGee. 
So those are the characters. Hmm. <laughs> so what I normally do is I think about, you know, what, what objective the characters have in a scenario. And um, I'm not sure what, what is the, the main objective of the characters in Greece? What are they are trying to accomplish? I don't know if that's really clear. They just want to be cool, right? Yeah, I think they're at high school yeah. and they call. And or get a car? Maybe that's a more concrete. Yeah, I mean, Kinnicky K- K- is just oh, like. We're, we're building, building a, a car. Really cool. yeah. We're building a car and we're trying to keep the gang together, but Danny wants to go off with this chick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so then maybe there would be some sort of sliding scale for each player to score points on in terms of coolness level. Um, hey. I love it. So everyone starts at, um, I don't know, let's say five, except for the principal who's going to start at like zero. And then, um, and then the player, the players would then be competing, but also, well, working together to uh, increase their overall score on coolness. And um, I guess the success would be you, you build the car. Um, And then other, otherwise you would, uh, everyone would break up and go to college and have normal boring lives. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> so are we, are we done Pete or what? Where are we well, going? I was thinking, I was thinking what, <laughs> maybe we, maybe for a couple of minutes, we should all role play as one of those characters and see, and kind of use what Peter is saying as like an objective. We're all trying to be cool to get more points. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So do you want to assign characters? Well, we have the characters, so yeah, so maybe we should assign. So, so, so Pete, 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 you, Pete, you, you assign them. Oh, God, I don't want to be the one to assign. Okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, yeah, have a list. Okay, so let's let let's let Joe be Danny Zuko. Oh, no, I want to be Kaneki. Okay, you can be Kaneki. <laughs> okay, so tell so me more. Danny have... should be Danny. Yeah, what? Danny should be Danny. Okay, so Danny's Danny, and um, let's have uh. Let's let's have uh, Stuart be Crater Face, uh, who's Ooh, the rival gang guy. The bad guy. Right? Yeah, I don't remember Crater Face. He's a bad guy. He's got that black. Yeah. He's got that black lowrider Mercury with the. He was a guy with. Oh, he was a guy with Cha Cha. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Let's have um, let's have Elizabeth be Riz. No, let's have Elizabeth be uh, Sandy. Uh, yeah, that tracks. Unless you'd rather be Rizzo, <laughs> no, that's fine. Sandy tracks. Okay, so, so Veronica, you'll be you'll be um, uh, Rizzo. Yes, she's my favorite. <laughs> and so that kind of leaves the principal and Frenchie. So, so um, do you now, Peter? Do you usually play as one of the characters? Um, well, so I inhabit any character that isn't accounted for already. Um, so, uh, this is testing my knowledge of Greece though, which I haven't seen in a little while. So. Yeah. I, I haven't seen a movie in years. So, uh, so I'm, I'll be doing my best, but, uh, one, one thing I fall back on making my podcast is ultimately called let's break history. And so if we're, if we're being, if we're being inaccurate, that's just part of the game. Perfectly fine. Okay. So then how about this? I'm going to be Frenchy. <laughs> and then, uh, and so you could be you 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 could be. Uh, I'll add a couple of characters. We'll have we'll have the principal um, and also the coach. Um, so those are the other characters. Or you could be all of the T birds. So th- those would be any of the characters you can inhabit. So now, what do we do next? How, how does this whole thing work? So I, if I remember properly, the the. Film begins. We're on that sort of that main group of friends. We've got the girls on one side and the boys on the other, and they're talking about what they did over the summer, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's, oh it's early in the film, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you ima- imagine yourselves in a um, so the boys, you're at, next to the football field on the bleachers. You're uh, it's a sunny day. You're talking about the things that you're you did over the summer, and. I think the girls are at like an outdoor seating area outside of the high school. And uh, you're, you're also enjoying the, your time outside for the day and um, discussing what the things you did over the summer. So uh, give me a bit of that conversation, what's going on. And we'll start, I guess, with the guys. Okay. Go ahead. Start guys. 
Hey, yo, Danny, well, how was your summer? Man, met this girl at the beach, had a great time, you know, but, you know, she had to go back to Australia, so on to the next. Australia? Isn't that like, isn't that like in Europe? Don't they speak German there? Probably. <laughs> they like to go down under, though. <laughs> Danny, Danny, what? what? <laughs> oh, you mean like down under or like down under the water? Down under. <laughs> right. So at this point in the game, I might um, vomit. <laughs> I I might have a player make a roll of some kind. We don't have any dice with us, uh, oh, but yeah. we could do Go what ahead. I used to do and do a rock paper scissors. So you're trying to impress people, Danny, with your talk about going down under. Uh, <laughs> So do you want to do rock, paper, scissors with me over Zoom? <laughs> I don't know how the timings are going to work out. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I got oh. scissors. Okay. Oh, rock, break, scissors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Boom. You get a coolness point. Oh, cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> well done. Uh, so uh, people are impressed by uh, what, what you did over the summer um seems to be impressed and uh a bit confused about people's languages and (laughs) geography generally summer Um, loving had me a blast let's uh let's switch over to the other side the the outdoor seating area what are you uh you talking about over there uh good day my name's sandy i'm the new student (laughs) from australia frenchy so i should be introducing everybody did you meet my friend my friend sandy she's from australia good day oh yeah what's the big deal about australia uh it's called the land down under and uh it's uh formerly a penal colony and do people in australia dress like that all goody two-shoes Yes, we also get terrible sunburns. Um, Did you notice I dyed my hair pink? That's very cool, Frenchie. Look, Lolly. My accent is this. <laughs> Look, Lolly, Frenchie. Frenchie, I, I'd like to dye my hair one day. <laughs> Do people in Australia dye their hair? Sometimes. I'll dye your hair, but I, I can't promise you what color it's going to come out. Okay. What are, what are classes like here at, at Rydell? Could you imagine or, somebody or walking in on this conversation just right now? <laughs> I can't Great. imagine what my neighbors are thinking. Because <laughs> I got no furniture in this place. So I'm grabbing my bag. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm in like oh, one oh, scene. He's got his dice. Oh, yeah. thank God. <laughs> no, I'm in like one scene. Um, so let's see. I'm just gonna roll. There's a reason I'm not an actor with this show, and I'm a writer. It's because this is a really inconsistent. I think it's more South African, really. <laughs> That's what we're doing. So um, okay. the principal is uh, comes up to uh, Frenchie there, and he's. Uh, I don't remember the principal's voice at all, so we're going to just go with, hey, what are you I'm talking about? It's okay. What happened to your hair, Frenchie? <laughs> I had a, I had a uh, problem with, with uh, my class, my beauty school class. I, I failed dying. Uh, all right, let's do rock, paper, scissors. So this is going to, in D&D, this would be called a deception roll. Okay. Uh, so it's, I'm, it's reversed. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I did paper that time. Okay. So uh-huh. that's a that's neither a success nor a failure. So you um he he grumbles at you and he says, Well, get it fixed before tomorrow because it's not appropriate for this school. I've run a tight ship. <laughs> not this ain't Titanic. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, that's right, the principal's woman. Oh, <laughs> So <laughs> just say something. Be, be your character for a second. I, I don't I don't know that the character the comes in guy. in one scene. The the ba- I don't remember this. I don't remember You're this. You're playing for hey, papers. Hey nerds! What are you doing? <laughs> talking about your hair looks so dumb. It's an ugly color. Who just who made it that color? 
This is going to be an intimidation. Oh, it's an intimidation. So why don't you do a a rock, paper, scissors with me, Stuart? (laughs) Paper, scissors, shoot. Okay. I went predictable. I did the one that I hadn't done yet. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Okay. So you you come in here. You start bullying people for for their hair color choices or mistakes as as the story may go. And um, you you get a coolness point as well. Because uh, hey. being mean is cool in the 50s <laughs> or 40s. So then that's how you would just continue doing it then, if this was like one of your traditional podcast episodes, right? Yep. To see, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. there would be there would be a bit more structure because I would uh, <laughs> know ahead of time what the initial oh. scenario is and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, um, we just wanted to kind of, you know, get an idea, give our audience an idea of, you know, what what it was like. Well, that was fun. Yeah. yeah. If you'd really like to know what it was like, you can listen to it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, break yeah, I know your podcast is on all the major streaming um, site platforms, but how often do you release your episodes? Can you let our audience know? Yeah, sure. So I release episodes weekly uh, while there's a series running, but uh, right now I'm between series. So I anticipate the next one's going to come out. Episode one of series two is going to come out either two or three weeks from now, depending on um, how much I need to pull out my own hair to make it happen. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciated it. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again for inviting me. This was, this was fun. (laughs) So that is our show for tonight. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you back here again tomorrow at 6 PM. Bye everyone. Have a good night and stay safe. Good night. Good day. (laughs) 